Well, I have a little peppy update for you. <sighs> I know, actual news. Yeah, okay, um, don't overhype this. Yeah, yeah, it's a minor husband dump, I guess. Third Degree is brought to you by Soccer 90. Soccer 90 is your source for all things FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. Everything from jerseys and scarves and tees and more. And all Third Degree listeners get 25% off all their awesome stuff when they use the code Third Degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fans. Uh, Happy New Year to you, and welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it is me, Peter, and it's just me and one other fella, because one other fella is out traveling around gallivanting about the country. Uh, It's just me and your hero, my hero, editor, founder of ThirdDegree.net, the good Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. How are you? Uh, As you say, Dan is at a wedding, I believe. Not his wedding, but a wedding somewhere. Who gets married this time of year? What's going Uh, on with that? I think he said it was in Tennessee, so Tennessee people apparently. Oh, okay. I think we all know what he's saying there. I think we all know exactly what's happening there. (laughs) Okay, Buzz, I think this is episode, what, 142? Two. Two. two here we are it's the end of the year uh, 2022 is nigh upon us mls clubs are making moves left and right here and there but for our team it's just pappy 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 that's all we get these days well i'm actually uh afraid that people are going to get peppy burnout uh, uh, i'm can... raising my hand i'm yeah. so burned out on peppy just yeah. go for christ's sakes i don't even care anymore <laughs> where it is i don't care I, literally you could end up in a turkish third division i just don't give a shit anymore just go <laughs> well i have a little peppy update for you <sighs> i know actual news okay um, don't overhype this yeah, yeah. It's a minor husband dump, I guess. It's basically, um, I, I've checked with people that I know. I don't have a super tight Pepe in, but I know people. So I've checked around a little bit. And basically what I have confirmed is what we've been saying, which is for sure, yes, 100%, FC Dallas wants to keep him for at least this year. Two, Pepe, yes, 100% for sure, wants to leave now. And three... <laughs> Don't believe everything you read on the internet because <laughs> nothing is really very close. So I, I think that, you know, we're in the holding pattern at least until the window opens. I think that it doesn't seem like something's about to happen. So uh, it reinforces the idea that a lot of this noise is coming, I think, from Pepe's agents. I don't have, know that for sure, but that's what it seems like. Uh, and basically everything is exactly as we've been saying, which is, you know, the stuff we've been saying for two months now. So. Um, nothing is new. Nothing has changed. Nothing's about to happen. He's not about to go anywhere. He's been in town here training with some other people that are play for FC Dallas or used to play for FC Dallas, keeping fit, ready to play. So that's where it is. Nothing's happening right now. Okay. That sounds like a really awful recipe for the month of January. If they want to keep him and he wants to go, those are two conflicting desires. And, uh, you know, 
I, I, I'm very confused as to, let's just talk about the club side of it. I, I know, in theory, they'd love to keep him, but how serious do they really think that is likely to happen? And on Pepe's side of the coin, I know he wants to go, but how much of that is actually Ricardo specifically the player, and how much of that is his agent and family just you know seeing dollar signs? Uh, the impression I'm getting from the people that I know that know him uh, is that it's more of a he'd like to go, that he is not necessarily like angry about it yet. Um, and, it, and on the FC Dallas side, uh, they're pretty strongly wanting to hold on to him. You know, I'm sure, and this is that it's true that there is a price and that somebody has yet to meet it. So I, I agree with you that there is a point at which it becomes messy. And, and it, that'll be after the point at which Pepe gets angry. But he's not a particularly, um, I find in my dealings with him, a guy who gets mad about things. He's kind of a head down kind of grinder, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know how he is. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there for sure will be a point where he's pissed off, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, I think most of the pressure is coming from the agent and or his people, whatever you want to call him side. Pepe's the kind of guy that would let other people handle all that stuff and just sort of go about his business. That's the way I find him to be. And he always has been that way, you know? So um, I I think we're a ways from it getting nasty. I I don't think that's going to be, you know, right now. All right. So is all of the the recent uh, outpouring of Wolfsburg news, I think we are all, is that, is that your general opinion that that's essentially just noise generated by his agent and not necessarily anything new or indicative of a pending deal? Yeah, the, the new hit, I think, is not indicative of anything. Because we first heard about Wolfsburg, was it like a month ago, maybe, that that first came up? I think that Wolfsburg is definitely interested. And I, I believe the people that have reported that there's a negotiation and that there it is it has advanced. I do believe that. But I don't think advanced is the same as close. And in particular, like when I asked was when all that Wolfsburg stuff hit again a couple of days ago. And that's when somebody told me, don't believe everything you read on the Internet. Right. So I, I, I think for sure this new Wolfsburg thing is a push from his people to remind everybody that that was sort of the most advanced thing. Because every time there's been a team that's come in for him or had a discussion about him or asked about him, the agent has proceeded to talk about it. You know, so we've heard of I think we've heard of almost every team that's called, you know, so there's definitely some teams out there that are for sure interested. Wolfsburg, one of them. I just don't think we're anywhere near the the hunt price and or what it's going to take to get this over the line. Yeah, see, I'm I, I'm just trying to read tea leaves and read between lines and stuff. And it. it Something seems weird to me that if the best thing that his agent can continuously push out as a narrative to mainstream media to get people like uh, Fabrizio and and Jeff Carlisle and Tom Bogart to all report on it is Wolfsburg just seems weird to me. And especially when you're starting now to see stories about Castellanos uh, getting attraction from different clubs for about $15 million dollars. I, I, you know, all of these ideas that people have in their head that that Pepe's worth 15 or 18 or 20, I just think is ridiculous. And I just I really want everybody to be prepared for the reality that he ends up going somewhere and the club only gets like eight or ten million dollars for him with some sort of sell on fee. Yeah, I, I the way I the reason I say 15 when I talk about him is because 
that's a, a fat round base number. I, I 100% agree with you that it'll be more like eight to 12, depending on how much of a sell on percentage they get. And that's the kind of thing that with FC Dallas in particular, takes a lot of time. Uh, you remember, if you go back to the Brian Reynolds situation, he agreed to a contract numbers with Juventus, and then Juventus called FC Dallas, and Roma started with FC Dallas. And from the first time that we heard that Roma was interested in him, to when they actually got the thing done was like a month and a half. So Dallas really likes to drag out these things in terms of trying to get the, as much percentage as they want. So for me, that's the thing that's going to take the most amount of time. Yeah. You know, he, you remember the original Wolfsburg report was that he had agreed to terms with them. And now it's a month later and that's still where we are. And tap talks have quote advanced. Well, that just means that maybe somebody gave a little bit in terms of how much money they're asking for. And it's funny to me, it's a red flag to me that the only team we've heard of with that level of commitment, everybody else we've heard of is just like, oh, so-and-so is interested, not they've agreed to a term or they're negotiating with Dallas that we haven't heard that. I don't think of with anybody else. So all these things to me are reasons why Dallas still has a lot of leverage with his long-term deal. And they're going to hold firm on what they believe his price is. Well, I also think in, if you're going to call it a red flag, the red flag is, is that it's not yet January and it's not yet the second, third and fourth week of January. (laughs) And, and so everybody just needs to settle in and buckle up and, and, and grab some supplies because this, I mean, if this was to get announced within the first 10 days of January, I'd be shocked. Um, I think it'll go down to the wire because I do think there are, there will be other clubs that come in and and put deals on the table that Dallas will consider. And I hope, I certainly hope, that Pepe and his people will look at other opportunities and try to determine not which one is the most lucrative or the most flashy, but which one is the best situation for him professionally. And I think yeah. back to the Brian Reynolds passing up on Club Bruges opportunity to go to Roma instead, and we see where that got him. Um, yeah, it, it, for me at the end of the day, watching this is pretty interesting because we're all, I think we all should admit we're relatively novice at the global market of sales of players. Right. Of course. And, um, and, and I think that we all have a lot to learn about this process. Uh, and there's still so much to happen and everybody should just stop making assessments and opinions on how much they think he's worth because the market's going to fluctuate wildly over the next three or four weeks. Yeah. You remember, you know, this as, as well as anybody that there are teams that negotiate with the player first as Wolfsburg clearly has done. And then there are teams that negotiate with the team first, like Roma did with Brian, they went to FC Dallas first and then to Brian. So, Every team does it differently in their process. And as you say, the window doesn't open until January. So like, to me, if, if Dallas was convinced they were going to sell him and knew they were selling him, they would try and go as fast as possible because their camp opens January 16th and they're going to want to get going on whatever they're doing next year. I agree with you that it'll take the whole window or not at all because they don't want to sell him. So they're going to push hard to get the maximum, absolute maximum amount they can and so if something does happen, I think like you, I think it'll be really late in the window or they're going to hold them. So those are the, those, that's where I think we are. And we're, we're going to, I think we'll hear a lot more noise when we get into January, people will start leaking even more stuff as actual teams come to the table with legit offers, you know, more than just this called an interested kind of thing. 
certainly uh, it is fun to watch, although at this point it's gotten a little bit tedious and boring, and, and we're getting at the point where people uh, online are starting to yell at each other about it and be very insistent that their position is correct, and I just... We're too yeah. we're too early in the process for people to be steadfast on this stuff. It's just, um, but if I, I guess I'm going to be hypocritical and say I just I still think there's almost zero percent chance he's playing for Dallas in 2022. Yeah, I I felt that way before, but the the, the more I hear Dallas push back, the more uh, I think it's less than that. Now I'm still holding at 50 50 either way. Uh, but as you say, I I'm fascinated by this process. I do think people are starting to get tired of it. <laughs> it's because they started talking about this. The, his people did, you know, months ago when the window wasn't even going to open until January or something, whenever it is. Yeah, I do wonder yeah. how much Ricardo is going to uh, regret or look back on and appreciate his decision to hire somebody so relatively new to the this this process as an agent. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I actually think that what I know of Ricardo says that he's not really, he doesn't really pay much of attention to it. That he kind of just lets people, other people do it, you know, other than like a macro level, you know, they'll tell him when it's really close and the numbers are there. And, and, and part of that probably is why I'm hearing, don't believe all this stuff you're hearing, you know, because he knows differently than, than what's in the media, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. and it's mostly a guy that just lets people do what they do and he's going to do what he does. You know? All right. Have we heard anything else on the uh, potential uh, sale or moving on of uh, Jesus? Is that anything come of that? Because that kind of popped up as a weird little flare up of concern several weeks ago, but I haven't heard anything about it since then. I think most of that concern was coming from uh, us because of the fact that Jesus had a remarkable season as well. I think it's weird. I've been reading these end of season assessments of Dallas and where they are. And all they talk about is Pepe. And I'm like, dude, Jesus had a phenomenal season. And y'all aren't even talking like he's good or anything. So I just think that like it, that, that concern came like as he was getting back into the national team, which of course raises profiles and gets people to pay attention who may not have paid attention before, you know, and he came back with a really nice season. So, um, you know, and, and, the, and when you combine that relative to passing, say, for example, Jesus is, uh, family background is international, you know, and he has those dual passports and other options and ability to move. So um, I just think that like, there's a, there's a much easier road and a much more mercenary mentality in Jesus than maybe in some other people. And he's a guy who I know has levels of ambition, you know, for him to have the season he did and get back in the national team, I think changes the profile and makes it where you might need to worry about him and his agents are very experienced and very savvy and will not make a lot of noise until they're pulling the trigger. You know, it's a very different vibe from them. I've seen a lot of people online starting to chirp up with concerns about the fact that the Dallas hasn't made any moves. I, I, in my, in, it feels like to me, this is pretty much a standard operating procedure for the hunts. They don't tend to do a lot of deals uh, early or fast and everything tends to happen very, very late in the deal. Am, am, am I am I reading? Am I remembering this wrong? Or should we be freaked out or disappointed? No, you're 100 percent correct. And and a lot of teams making moves were doing stuff internal to the league, because um, as we've talked about already in this show, the window's not open. So people get frustrated that Dallas doesn't do anything in the league, but they don't. They don't have any players that have been in the league with somebody else. They hired a coach like a week before Christmas. So 
no matter what you celebrate, the holidays slow things down and offices are closed and all that kind of stuff. Things don't happen a lot over Christmas and the week after Christmas before New Year's comes around. So the coach got hired a week before that or two or whatever it was, and then he went to national team camp. So to me, I would have been shocked if they would have announced a player because I think that if you hire a coach that late, you have to at least give him a look at the players that you may have lined up to play. And I also think that it, it's not particularly fair to a coach to have him coming in blind. Now he can watch tape, <clears throat> excuse me, he can watch tape, but that's not the same as actually getting your hands on players and getting in training with them. And I, I actually think that there's a, a component of this of, let me get camp going and give me a week or two into camp. And then I'm gonna tell you where I'm, I'm so clearly desperate that you get somebody for me fast, go ahead and line up like five or six things and we'll sort of see how it goes. So I think that's where we are. I think we're in a pro of him in a process of watching as much tape as he can get his hands on. I think we're in a process of him, you know, going with staff over things like their metrics they have and the data they have. And I, and so I honestly think that they might go into camp with multiple open roster spots. Now I, I think they'll go ahead and sign any homegrooms or whatever like that they need to do. Keep in mind they're also hiring a North Texas coach right now. We'll come back to this in a minute. You know, so it won't shock me at all if you don't see. I, I for sure don't think you'll see one this week. Maybe you might get one or two in early January, but I think they'll honestly leave a couple of spots open as they go into camp and get a couple of weeks look at what they have before they go, okay, yes, do it, pull the trigger, get this guy in or whatever. And a lot of that, I assume, just based on the fact that, well, you know, it's money, is it's going to, a lot of it's going to depend on what happens with Ricardo, right? Yeah. I, pe selling Pepe or not will drastically change what your needs are. Because either you have to replace him or you have to put Jesus in his spot and replace Jesus. Now, there are multiple ways you can do it, but certainly the amount of money you have available will change, perhaps drastically. Certainly, like what your needs are is going to change, perhaps drastically. So, yes, selling uh, Pepe will dramatically change what you're doing. So, again, there's a reason why you wait a little bit on your potential biggest moves perhaps, you know, cause if you want to get, cause replacing him directly was going to require like a DB level player. Probably um, they do have one, maybe two open DP spots. They do have, I think it's four internationals off the top of my head. I don't remember. They have five or six senior spots and four uh, supplemental spots. I mean, they got, they got to find 10 players. So you'll begin to see a little bit of movement, but I, I, it's not going to be all 10 next week. You're going to, they're going to go into camp with some openings. All right. Well, then that leads me to this question, which is if you and I are correct that, that you know, the situation with Pepe is a trigger for what other other things they do. And we're also correct that it's not going to happen until late in the window. That really kind of goofs up anything they might potentially be able to do in terms of inbound purchases, because if they wait that long to sell Ricardo, what or who or how much time is going to be left for them to do anything? Not a lot. Um of, you know, thankfully you would have a long season, you know, this year, you're going to have start in February and go all the way to November because they spread it back out. Uh, and the other side of the coin will be that because it's the middle window for everybody else, almost anybody you're looking at is going to be in shape and going to be fit because they're going to come out of the middle of whatever season they were in, you know, so your worry there is actually that by the time you get to the end of your season, there'll be some burnout because they'll have gone like a year and a half, you know, uh, full tilt. So it'll actually probably be part of the goal to maybe not bring guys in right away and give them a little bit of time 
give them a little bit of a break to 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 sort of so they can sort of reset themselves, almost have like a mini off season, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then come in and get fit and get acclimated and get into the team and that kind of stuff. So it's going to be weird because they're getting a late start with the late coach hire. You know, other teams that have to play in CCLs and whatever's are going to have to hit the ground running really fast. Dallas will have the luxury of not doing that because they don't have any other tournaments to play in other than the Open Cup. But everybody does that. You know, the first couple of rounds of that are kids or whatever, right. you know. So um, I, I don't think there's this uh, big hurry, actually, with this team. You know, when, when you have a new guy, he honestly is going to not even just camp, you know, really – there might be a school of thought that the first part of the season is almost going to be a throwaway in a lot of ways because he's trying to figure out what all he has, you know, uh, which is weird because we, we already talked about how bad the back end of the schedule is. So he may not have a lot of time, but when you have a new coach, you got to give him time. You can't expect him to turn it over overnight. Speaking of which, have you spoken to Estevez or Estevez yet? I still don't uh, remember which uh, one it's pronounced. Yeah, it's not like the actor, Estevez. Estevez, all right. Estevez. <laughs> yeah, um, I have not yet. Uh he went on the radio the other day and said some things, which we'll talk about in a bit, I think. But No, go ahead. Um, what did he say? Well, it was an interview he did with um, Owen, uh, you know, you know, Owen Newkirk. And yeah. um, the, they specifically asked him, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but he, they specifically said, uh, where would you look to improve the roster? And his answer was, and I'm paraphrasing, goalkeeper, center back, right back, and center mid were the key positions they needed to do something with. So those align pretty closely with what we know from, you know, where the the deficiencies have been in defense, you know, uh, they've only got one goalkeeper left, you know, that's, so that one's obvious center back. They, they, a bunch of old guys and a bunch of dudes under contract. And and so, you know, we, they let Brisson go. That clearly is a place that needs to be better. Even if it's just getting healthy right back, other than Emma was pretty good. The other two options were not. So that's, that seems pretty obvious. Center mid, we've talked to death about the fact that I think the six wasn't good enough, you know, and they let Acosta go. They obviously didn't think he was good enough. So those are positions that align with what we've been talking about. Um, You know, how much money they want to spend in those spots are to be determined. We're going to find out. Um, It's interesting that he has a list already, even without seeing more than just tape. So he's obviously getting a lot of input from current coaching staff. He did retain a couple of coaches Um, and no mention at all of forward. So again, you know, not like we're going to find out at forward. It was not even mentioned. So uh, all plans seem to be keep Pepe again, weirdly. But, you know, so it gives us a little bit to chew on. It sort of backs up what we had already thought. And it gives us things to look forward to in terms of what might be coming. So um, some of those positions, I think they're okay with um, the kids that they have there. Um, obviously, goalkeeper, they for sure need people you know, and those other spots, maybe it'll be more about depth. So we'll find out where they were, how much money they spend in a given spot. We'll tell you a lot about how bad they think that given spot is. All right. I'm kind of, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that he didn't mention wide attacker, but um, here we are. Yeah. You know, I, you're down on Obreon, but stat wise, he was okay. You know, uh, I'm actually surprised he didn't mention it at all because, you know, we've talked about wanting to move Paxton in the middle. And if you like, even if you like Shun, he's going to be gone a lot. Khalil, we don't know a lot about yet in terms of MLS level of play. So even if you did nothing else, you at least need some bodies there and some depth there, you know, because Dante Sealy's not coming back. So uh, I'm surprised that that wasn't brought up also. But I, I, I'm afraid that it means that um, if depending on what formation he's playing, Jesus might be a wing, 
right? Mm -hmm. Paxton might still be a wing if they upgrade in the middle and don't put Paxton back in there. So he may think that he has on paper enough good talent at wing if he plays 4-3-3 instead of the the 4-2-3-1 that, that Dallas did last year. Hmm. All right, you spoke of uh, Dante Seeley. Uh, any word on what his situation is along with anybody else uh, yeah. that are on loan or otherwise? Yeah, I'd like to go through the four. I have four guys written down that are um, either on loan or recently sold that are worth you know, sort of checking in on, I think. Uh, Seeley's doing, I think, the best of them. Uh, out of 20 games, he's played in 16 uh, with eight starts. For, for PSV Zhong, I think that's how you say that. And he has five goals, which is second most on the team. And he's done that in half the starts of their top scorer. Hmm. So those are some pretty exciting attacking numbers. I'd like to see him start more games, particularly for when you're talking about a guy who was mad he wasn't starting here. So I, I think it's a good, good, solid start. What I think as you carry forward over this season, you'd like to see that number go up you know over the back half of the of the, the last i assume roughly 20 games that they'll play you know you'd hope that he would get up close to all of them rather than starting all of them rather than just half of them but um good position and good start for him all right what about the other fellows well reynolds is brian reynolds is the one that you brought up that's in a tough spot um now i, I have enough context with brian that i know that he's content and he likes being at Roma and thinks he's learning a lot. You know, the club still, I think, likes him. But come on, you and I know enough about Jose Mourinho that that dude is never going to play Brian Reynolds, right? Right. I mean, he doesn't like Americans. He doesn't like kids. And he doesn't like attacking defenders. He likes defense first. So, like, there's no way Brian Reynolds is going to play for that guy. <laughs> so it's not surprising that, um, you know, that there's all these reports about how Reynolds may be up for a loan. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. Take it, you know. Go on the loan. Get it wherever it is. Make sure you're gonna play if you go there. You know, if it's Bruges or if it's a couple of these Premier League teams that have been or Championship teams that have talked about you. You know, wherever it is. Um, you know, I I think that it's important to get out and get playing for that kid because if, even if Roma likes him, which I hear that they still do as an organization. Uh, it, they're not going to need you for a couple of years as long as Mourinho's still there. In a couple of years, Mourinho's going to be gone, and then you can be brought back into the fold. You know, hopefully having been a starter for a couple of years somewhere and really done some things, or expose yourself enough that you get bought by somebody else. You know, what you don't want to do is stay there at Roma. And this is just my personal advice: is you don't want to stay at Roma and spend the next three years not ever playing. You know, because oh, yeah. it, no. it's not like they even put him down on their U23 team either. I mean, he trains full time with the first team, you know, and, and is fully involved in all that stuff. But he's never going to play for Jose. No, we, we all know that he's yeah. wasting away. And, and I mean, I yeah. seems that's probably an extreme way of saying it, but uh, it's it's certainly not helping his situation. No, not at all. And, I, and I'm sure that his people know that. I mean, I know his people know that, you know, and, and they don't want to burn any bridges or be malcontents. I'm sure either. I mean, no one wants to get that rep. But at the same time, it's like. I need to play. You you know I need to play. Mourinho knows I need to play, but I need, we all know he ain't going to play me. So right. let's figure out where I can go play. It won't be back here, certainly. It'll be, you know, but it'll be somewhere. Uh, they'll get him in the second-tier league that he can play. That'll, that'll be fine. Okay. I'm sure I'm forgetting about other people. Uh, Thomas Roberts. Oh, is, um, yes. Yeah, Young yeah, Thomas Tommy Roberts. Poo. What's up with Tommy yeah. Poo? He, uh, 
another club situation where the club really likes him and in fact really wanted to protect him and bring him along slowly because they think he's going to be this which club uh, the club he's out in Austria. Oh, uh, oh, I thought you meant Dallas. Okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 the club in Austria. Now, his loan runs out in May, but they're acting like they're going to keep him, you know, and I know there's some other clubs that are actually tracking him too. So um, he's now made five sub-appearances in the league, and he keeps getting more and more minutes, you know, as he now is doing the things that they're asking him to do in whatever system they play. I don't watch their game, so I couldn't tell you. But – you know, he's he's taking their coaching and progressing, which is a good sign. And they're moving him into the lineup more and more and more. Now, now you want to look for when do the starts come? You know, can he get on the score sheet with goals and assists, which is where he was when he was here. It's the same thing. You know, you need to see some numbers coming with the play. Um, but, you know, for, for all, all the stuff I get on him is that the club is really, really high on him and his upside in his future. And they really want to keep him and developing him. So I think he's in a good situation. We'll just see what happens come May when his deal runs out because there is no buy option in that deal. It'll have to be redone. Okay. And last one is Tanner. Tanner is the last one that I can think of, unless you want to think of somebody else you want to ask me about. Um, I, I haven't I haven't talked to Tanner's people in, in, in a little bit, but he's only made three starts um, in and made, made 12 appearances out of 19 games, which is a little less than you would like. And, and they also just signed a, a uh, mid twenties or lower lowish kind of twenties midfielder, central midfielder too, uh, from, I can't remember where he's from, um, from a, a big club. I can't remember where it was. Um, maybe it was even Bayern Munich. And now that I think about it. Um, so that's a little worrying for Tanner. Now, you know, Tanner and Busio were part of their, you know, long-term development because they're both just 18 or whatever. So, but still, when they when they bring in a guy that plays the position you play, he's a he's an eight specifically. That's not good for the amount of playing time you're going to get. It's likely to go down and not up. So mm-hmm. probably not what Tanner would like. Hopefully, they're talking to him about development and long term, and you're going to go this and this and this over the next few years or whatever. Because otherwise, Busio's really come on for them and done really well, and is you know back in the national team, and it has not gone that way for Tanner. So. Um, not, not, not quite what you would want. I'm hoping to get some more info on how his, how he's feeling about his situation. Yeah. The, his move to Venezia always was confusing me. I, I mean, I'm a big Tanner Tessman fan, but man, that just felt like a little bit too far of a leap for where he was. I mean, he wasn't even getting regular starting time for Dallas. So the idea that he was going to get it for a Serie A team just always seemed a bit of a stretch. Um, and another one of those deals. And I think about this all the time with the Pepe situation is, is that, Man, I just feel like that based on what little I do know about this process and based on my observations of all, of all the players that have left Dallas over the course of the last however many years, dating back to Breck Shea and before, uh, you know, people making smart decisions about where they land have far more to do with the long-term effect on their career than any kind of stats or anything else. It, it it's 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 so critical to make the right decision on this very first round, and I we I mean, could we could just sit here and do an hour long podcast just on all the players that made really crummy decisions on leaving to go somewhere because of the flash and the money, and it ended up just crushing them, you know? Yeah, I always say that uh, you want to go a place that you're really wanted, but there's a difference between the owner saying he really wants you or the technical director saying he really wants you. And the coach saying to you, I really want you, you're going to be one of my two right backs. You know, that's completely different, particularly when the coach changes when you arrive. 
you know, you can look at, I think Weston McKinney is a great example of not over jumping on your first thing. You know, Schalke is a great club, but it's not Bayern. It's like there's there's room to move at, at, at Schalke and develop and get into the team. You know, so those intermediate steps are key. Reynolds, you and I talked about the entire time, man, Bruges might be the better choice because you're going to play at Bruges. Yeah. You know, and there's other choices, these Juves and these Romas. It's like, you're not going to play there. You're going to have to go out on loan. And I think that they he probably felt like he was going to play at Roma, except that they didn't, they changed coaches on him, you know, and that's, but see, then that's, you don't know that's what the, the world frustrating, getting. But that's the frustrating part, Buzz, is that we're just all layman fan types. And we all knew the coaching situation at Roma was super wonky. And it wasn't likely to be the same guy in six months as it was when he signed. And we all knew the Juventus opportunity smelled cool, but wasn't probably the right position for him. I mean, look, you've got the Brian Reynolds story, and then you got the Aronson story. Kid leaves Philadelphia, goes to a, you know, a smaller league, gets a ton of playing time, and now look at him. He's an absolute world beater, and he's going to end up in a much bigger secondary move. Brian takes the flashier opportunity, I, I assume. I, I, again, I'm basing this off just kind of what I've heard from you and read in other places. Chose not to go to Bruges, chose to go to Roma instead for whatever reason. And now he's really under the gun to make sure that whatever this next move is for him, assuming that Roma will help him do that uh, and, and won't just force him to sit on the bench for however long his contract is, is those are, the, those are two sides of the same coin. And, and, Man, I, that's why when I hear all this peppy stuff I, and I see the, the Wolfsburg thing, I just think, oh, no, that's a terrible place for him to go. Yeah, Dante Sealy, actually, I think is a really good example of taking the right sort of tact, I think, because, yeah. you know, he wasn't a starter for FC Dallas. So, like, you're like, why is he going? But part of it was that it wasn't the idea that he was promised anything with PSV, the first team. They He knew he was getting this concrete, <clears throat> excuse me, he knew he was getting this concrete opportunity with, PSV Jong, and that he would be playing this large amount of games. Maybe I would like it to be a little more than he's actually getting, but he's going there with these with this idea that like we're going to put you in the twenty three team and you're going to be the guy. We're going to play you a ton. You're going to score a bunch of goals because in three years we want you to be on our first team. You know that kind of laid out plan and like specific like you're going to be on this team. You're going to play this much. You know now nothing is guaranteed in life, of course, but. Um, Sealy seems to have made the choice of going to what is effectively a reserve team and because he knew, I, I assume he knew that the opportunities were much more concrete and laid out and that he would be guaranteed a, a certain amount of opportunities. And he clearly has gotten them, um, you know, and, and, and that's a team too, that has guys come back from PSV back and forth. So it's a lot like North Texas, a lot of bounce and he's just with them and still is their second leading guy. And I think that says a lot. Hmm. Well, uh, anybody else we need to update in terms of player movement or blah, blah, blah? I can't think of anybody. Um, you know, there's there's some, some, some small internal FC Dallas stuff like um, the the uh, Nicosi Tafari is now a senior team player and not a reserve team player, you know, so he's no longer roster protected. That'll make it harder for him. Not that it's going to be hard for him at all. You know, um, I do wonder about a couple of the homegrowns that they have signed the last year or two that I'm a little worried about in terms of, where they fit into the whole thing. Um, but, but it's pretty straightforward. You know, we're just waiting for the new coach to see what he's going to do. You know, I don't think there's anybody out there on out, out on loan or sale that we need to talk about, but I, I can't think of anybody. 
Um, those are the only ones that really are mysteries. I mean, everybody else that's gone is like way gone, you know, like yeah. Maxi Ruti or, or Mara Diaz or whatever. I mean, they've been, <laughs> a Rudy uh, moving him. to his third Texas club. He finished the Texas hat yeah. trick, right? Now yeah, was it John Arnold that made the joke about forever that will be known now as a Maxi Uruti and Fafa Pico's done the mini Uruti, which is just two teams. <laughs> I thought that was, that was a good joke. Yes. Yeah. Good on you, John. That is a good one. All right. Uh, you know, I I don't know if there's much else to talk about. I I guess North Texas is also looking for a coach. Yeah, yeah, they are, of course, because Eric Quill went to Columbus and joined their first team staff. Um, I know that Michelle. Were you has surprised interviewed- by that? By did did we know that was coming, or did we assume that if he didn't get the Dallas gig, he was going to split? I, I did. I knew that if he, I knew that if he didn't get either the Dallas gig or a spot on the FC Dallas roster as a coach that he would take a chance on another club's coaching roster. He and I had talked about it. Um, so I, I knew that was going to be happening, you know, that he had an opportunity out there. I didn't know what it was or, or, you know, of course nothing's hundred percent, but I, I knew just generally speaking, he was looking for the next, step to improve his resume to move up from North Texas in whatever capacity that would be, mm-hmm. you know, so with the idea that like, I want to be an MLS coach. So what can I add to my resume to be an MLS coach in a way like the same as Lucci taking the assistant job with uh, the U S soccer, trying to broaden his resume, trying to broaden what he has on, you know, on there. So um, I'm not surprised at all. Pretty much pretty sure it was going to happen. I did think, there was a chance he'd be on the first team here, but that didn't come to fruition. So um, in terms of replacing him with North Texas, I know Michelle has interviewed for that position, who was my, who was uh, Quill's assistant, you know, he used to play for Dallas um, and has worked in the academy some too. And then if you, if you want to go internal candidates, uh, obviously Marco Ferruzzi could possibly be up for it. He does want to coach again. Um, Chewy Vera would be a good, choice probably he's really good at developing kids and bringing them along and that kind of thing and then there's one academy coach i really really like named alex aldaz he's the u15 coach i think really highly of him so i think he's been quill's assistant also so i think he'd be outstanding so those are the four internal guys i think that are up for it probably michelle for sure is i know but um or at least interviewed is there any what are the odds that they'll hire somebody from outside the 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 family i mean i i can't you know, that job must pay very little, relatively speaking. You know, I, I was surprised that they went outside for the, the senior team coach, you know. And so the, the factor that we have to take into account is who does he want to coach North Texas? Because I'm sure he has input. So, you know, in that sense, maybe we might see an outside name. It'd, hard, it'd be hard for me to think that of Dallas who likes to develop coaches internally as well, that they wouldn't give that spot to an internal guy that they've been trying to develop, whoever that is, mm-hmm. you know, or Marco, if you're trying to make Marco happy and let him stay in town or whatever, you know, Marco certainly has worked with players and developed players for years and years and years. So he would be a good fit there if he wanted it, you know, we'll see. It's not as important as FC Dallas, of course, but um, if I had to bet, I'd say 80% internal. Just for grants. So was it yesterday we start we started seeing because I, I this is when we talk about what the hunts are going to do and everything the news that Toronto appears to uh, get, be prepared to write massive checks. Yeah. Um, uh, the idea that they would sign thirty year old Lorenzo Insigne uh, for for an amount of money per year in salary that Dallas essentially spends in their entire wage bill 
I I just I really do wonder. I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall when Clark Hunt reads that headline. And what must he do when he sees it? Does he just blow it off and go, okay, whatever? Or does he immediately pick up the phone and call Don Garber and go, what the F is going on? The second one, I think. Yeah, you think he just blows it off? No, no, no. Calls oh. Don Garber. Yeah. 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 Because I, I, there are definitely two uh, schools of owner. There's the old school owners who are afraid of the league when it found it, remember the league when it found it, remember how precarious it was. And then there's the new school owners that want to go crazy. And it's, there's, there's a, the same vibe as actually is in the NFL, believe it or not. Um, of which, uh, Clark hunt is the leader of the old school NFL owners versus Jerry, the new school NFL owners, same vibe. Uh, Clark's the leader of the old school owners in MLS, the guys that are more conservative that push back hard against all the spending, push back hard on keeping a salary cap, push back hard on keeping all these rules to keep salaries down. And then there's these new school guys that want to go crazy and spend the money. And they actually have put in rules to try and incentivize the the old school Clark guys to do a little more. You wouldn't think it was this way, but like the U22 initiative, for example, is actually an attempt to get those guys to spend a little more because it, it allows them to take shots on younger dudes that you would flip for profit without hitting your cap as hard. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it really isn't, but it has this incentive in it of you. If you fill your DP spots, you get more U 22 spots to try and push you to fill your DP spots. So there's definitely these two schools going head to head in the league. And I'm sure that when Clark sees these numbers flying, you know, that he's, Colin Garber and being like, dude, you cannot let this get out of hand because this league, we already saved this league once my family did, and I'm not doing it again, you know? So I, I think that it's for sure that what the hell is going on. And, and this, I actually think it's one of the reasons why some of the national media don't like Dallas because oh, particularly like the younger ones who think the whole league should spend way more than it does. Those guys all don't like Dallas because the owners won't spend any money. So I think that's actually why you see sometimes really media pushback against FC Dallas or ignoring them or considering them not important or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, it was funny. Uh, our good friend and the original fan, Dustin Chrisman, uh, was giving Andrew Wiedeby some crap the other day because uh, over at his article at uh, MLSsoccer.com, Andrew had written an article kind of recapping people every team season, and essentially he wrote like a five-word, one-sentence review for Dallas, and Dustin gave him crap. But And while I, I agree with Dustin for saying, hey, couldn't you give us two sentences? I, <laughs> in my opinion, I think that is the greatest indicator that MLS headquarters essentially doesn't give, has just given up on the hunts in terms of expecting anything out of them. I think they appreciate their family importance to the league and the value that they bring uh, in terms of being some sort of balancer uh, towards these other owners that you're speaking of. But yeah. I, I think that they just see, look, if you're not going to make any attempt to do anything, then we're not going to burn our time trying to help you do it. Yeah, they're certainly not going to sell you as a positive for the league. I, I definitely think that, you know, Clark's position as unofficially the sort of leader of these guys that don't want to spend like crazy. I think that gives him a lot of weight, you know, and his position in the NFL gives him a whole lot of weight. Mm -hmm. So when he does call, I'm sure that Garber listens. But I think you're 100 percent right that in terms of marketing or media or promotions, they're basically going to ignore FC Dallas. I don't think it's a coincidence that FC Dallas has no English language national TV games this year. 
right? It's not <laughs> a coincidence. Right. Yeah. It's not just because they're bad. It's like they haven't had those games for a couple of years now. I can't remember the last time they actually had any. So even if they had one or two, it's still not very many compared to like Seattle, who's probably on national TV like every other weekend. So, you know, there's definitely a, we're just going to set you over here in the corner because we got to have people fill up the, the, the game schedule. So we're going to keep you around and we appreciate what you did, but don't expect us to make a big deal about you, you know, beyond the fact that you, of course, provide like half the national team. It's fun. Yeah, it's weird because it, the the FC Dallas, the MLS club is really nothing to talk about. But this week you highlighted you wrote an article over on your website that kind of re- reviewed the players in the academy that you were kind of I think you called it the hot list. What did you call it? It's called the hot list. It's, hot it's list. about it's yeah, it's recent guys that for whatever reason have caught my attention. Basically, it's like dudes I wanted to talk about. Right. It's not the same as like who I think is going to get signed. OK, it's just here. Fun. Here's, here's yeah. my point. And to, here's my point tying into your point that FC Dallas is only on like no uh, English broadcast national games this year. If there was a channel of academy team play, FC Dallas teams are almost always a must watch. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like out of all yeah. the MLS clubs playing in the academy, which one, when you see a, a schedule of teams playing, which one are you going like, oh yeah, I want to watch that one. Yeah. When they, when they, when they stream, uh, academy games from the the combines or the or the showcases or the GA Cup or whatever, they always pick a couple of or two or three FC Dallas games. Just like they'll pick uh, Red Bulls and NYCFC and Philly, uh, like the really good academies noted for those like three or four or five of them that are noted for being great. They pick those, and Dallas was always at the very top of that list of teams they would yeah. showcase. You know, and and the and the guys that they would get to do the games would know all about the very best guys coming through. They know, you know, so it's it's a totally different, you know, it's a shame that there's not the same sort of carryover, and maybe we have to hope that someday it is. The problem is, and you know this, there's too much money for the guy, the very best guys. You cannot keep them. You can't afford it, and you're going to get accused of wrecking Pepe's career if you try and keep him. As much as like we, everyone here that's a Dallas fan is like, come on, keep these guys. Let's win some stuff. And everyone that's not an FC Dallas fan is screw you, sell them. You're wrecking the national team, even though like, as you say, like a third of the national team's FC Dallas already. So, (laughs) you know, it would be wonderful if someday they could keep all these dudes and win a bunch of games, but so far they can't, the money's just not there yet, you know, or the money punts don't want to spend it, whichever one it is. Yeah. It's, it's really easy to have a negative and foreboding uh, vibe about the 2022 season. Uh, for Dallas, you know, history tells us that coaches come in like this and with the amount of roster change is going to be, it's just very rare do teams, even a major league soccer, just suddenly, you know, turn on the jets and become serious contenders. Now teams will improve uh, that that's uh, for sure, but not in first year deals. So I think we're all, I, I think, at least I am, I'm prepared for another kind of middling season. And, you know, I think the hope is they, but again, until we get past the transfer window and we have any real sense about what Nico as a coach is like, like I have just zero sense as to what yeah. his skill sets are, what he likes or doesn't like to do. I have no idea what his substitutions are like or his in-game management. Is is he a stand on the sideline and scream at everybody like uh, uh, Lucci was or is he a, a quiet guy, you know, and just watches the yeah. game and talks during halftime and before and after? I, those are all the things that are so TBD. I, I, I almost feel guilty for just assuming it's going to be a shitty season. 
Yeah, for, for a team that operates on the budget that Dallas has, there's two ways to go about next season for me at a macro level. One is to try and really quickly fix the defense, duct tape together a defense. And if you keep Pepe and keep that same offense, those two things will get you back into the playoffs. It, fix the defense, you know, short term with some veteran signing kind of guys, you're fine. Well, the, the better idea potentially in terms of actually winning a championship might be to double down on the academy and give the really talented 20 year olds that you have right now, of which you have like four or five, let them play in for three seasons and you're going to have to eat a turn for three seasons. But that's the way you get really top tier talent without spending $5 million per season contracts like Toronto does. So Fine. those are the try two a, options. Try 11. <laughs> Oh, is that what it is? Is eleven? Yeah, I whatever swear it I is, saw man. The, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's yeah. The, the point even more made, right? Is like Dallas is not doing that. So either you can just try and put a bandaid on it and get back to quote in the playoffs and competing, blah blah, as if right. Or you can really try and double down the academy and really develop guys for three years and see if that gets you to the top tiers of the league. Those are the only ways to do it now on a budget. You know, you, to do what Philly did. And what Nashville's doing, these slow three-year builds of getting your roster right. Nashville's doing it with internal of the league players. You know, Philly's doing it with their academy. Which way are you going to do it? Or are you just going to try and slap a bandit on the thing and get back to what Dallas has been doing, which is fourth through seventh for the last decade, you know? Yeah. In the playoffs, but not really competing. Here's the other scenario for the uh, 22 season that you should consider. Um, and I think we've mentioned it before, but we haven't thought about it too much. But it would be the most uh, FC Dallas end result for the Ricardo Pepe story, which is he actually does stay in the January window, start the season, and then get sold in July mm, yeah. halfway through the season. And he starts hot, and he's scoring goals, and everybody loves him, and now they're selling him for even more money. And he goes to some you know, hoop-to-doo club, but he's gone in July, and the whole season's shot. Yeah, he scores 15 goals in 15 games, and you get to the summer window when European teams have more money than they do now. And so you get your $15 million or whatever the hell it is you want, and he's gone, and you go from fourth place to cratering out of the playoffs over the back half of the season. Yeah. That that would be very FC Dallas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag bug skill. Uh, yeah. 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 It kind of <laughs> would. All right. Well, uh, yeah. there we go. I don't think we got much else to talk about, Buzzard. Well, you know – there's going to be more to talk about when we actually see some training and or we actually get to talk to a coach or we actually see a couple of moves come in. You know, in the meantime, we're going to do a lot of has, planning has and speculating. From, has anybody from the club contacted you and offered you an opportunity to talk to the coach? No. But I, I, this is the kind of thing where because it's a holiday and because it's the off season, I bet you that all the people that would that would actually occur to them to do that kind of thing, which is not very many, I'm sure they're all on vacation. So like come the new year, maybe like somebody might. Three weeks reach ago, out. he was named head coach. I know, but then it was Christmas, and it's the and like think about it, like those people have to work during the season like crazy hours all the time. So when it comes to the off season, they all kind of just tune out and check out until it's like, you know, there's been cases where they've signed a person and it's taken like a week and a half for the team to announce it and put out the pictures and the video and all that crap. You know, hmm. it's just not shocking to me that right now there's nothing happening in terms of like PR and media front. You know, I, hopefully between now and camp or even like right at the start of camp, obviously, because I'll go out there, I'll get a chance to talk to him, hmm. you know, and find out 
more about him. And even if it's only watching training, I'll find out more about him, you know, find out what kind of coach he is. Okay. Whatever. Um, Okay. Anything else, Buzz? I honestly can't think of anything other than just to promote, um, you know, supporting us with the Patreon and the discord and, and, you know, I, I did get a chance to do some Academy stuff, which I think is super fun. So you also check that out if you haven't. And Oh yeah. The, the, your hot list article is so educational, informative, and you know, the best part about it is buzz. It really is a bright, shiny, hopeful thing to glom onto. If you're a fan of this club, when you're kind of worried or concerned about the, the, the thing that we all normally worry and concern ourselves with the fact that there is so much cool, cool young product coming up from the Academy, uh, is uh, a side thing that is always great to be able to cling on to. Yeah, and if you go back a little bit further, I did like a most likely homegrown signings, and I did like a who's who at the start of the season, which was in August. Those are all still very relevant in terms of the academy. And if, in case you haven't followed us enough on Twitter, there there is a homegrown player signed. It just has not been announced. Um, whether there's – because of the new – this is maybe something I haven't talked about in the podcast. The, because of the MLS – two now exists that North Texas moved into that league. That means that contracts are now held by MLS. So now there's even more of a singular organization, North Texas FC Dallas, and you can sign a contract that includes both things. So there has been an Academy player signed. It's not announced. I can't say who it is. Um, I've suggested who I think it is because I don't know for sure, but I'm 90% sure I know. And I've talked about it many times. Um, but, uh, you know, crumb buzz. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Antonio Clara, who's the keeper, the U19 keeper, who spent like three months in the first team. I don't know for sure. I'm just 90% sure it's him. I do know for sure there is a signing, you know, whether it's one of these combined deals or what. I'm not 100% sure about that kind of level of detail. That's going to be interesting to me to learn right. how it all works. Yeah. Um, but there is one of those coming. So that's fun if you're into homegrowns. You know, it's, uh, you know, there's some, some little things percolating with the Academy with the North Texas will be, that'll be really fascinating if you're into North Texas at all, because they only have four players left from last season. It's another complete reload. There's the window there is very, very small. So whatever coach they do hire is going to have to do a whole lot of talent scouting and roster building. Maybe there'll be more Academy than usual involved. Maybe there'll be more FC Dallas coming down than before because of this new connectivity. So uh, fun to watch. It'll be fascinating. All right. Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90. Soccer 90 is your source for all things U.S. national team, FC Dallas, MLS, and international club gear. Jerseys, scarves, tees, keychains, bumper stickers, everything they got. Uh, all Third Degree listeners get 25% off their order when they use the code Third Degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Buzz, I hope you had a wonderful holiday season, and I hope you have a happy new year. I, I did have a wonderful holiday season, and hopefully I will too. And same to you. I hope you had a nice holiday as well. Thank you. And uh, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. I hope you know that we really do appreciate your patronage of Buzz's uh, Patreon account, downloading and streaming this podcast. Uh, with uh, As they always say, without you, there would not be this. So uh, happy new year to each and every one of you. We will speak to you next week on another episode in the new year of Third Degree, the podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast.